So we've been um, on a lovely journey. We've started, is this the fourth week or the third week? Or, of the Tabernacle of David. And uh, you know, how many of you have done worship courses and courses on the prophetic? And how many over and over again? Put up your hands. Yeah, we, we've all been there. But it's a beautiful journey in the life and the spirit of the Tabernacle of David. He's, it's a beautiful thing. And I want to continue along those lines today, and I want to touch on what we've been talking about, that priestly rhythm of life. Isn't that amazing? It's changed my life. Where's the scripture? In, in, is it Acts? Where, about the priestly, Acts 13, about the priestly rhythm. That word latageo means a priestly rhythm, where we get the word liturgy in church. Oh, who's, who's spoken liturgy in the modern-day church? We haven't really talked about that, but it comes from the word latageo, which is that priestly rhythm that each of us, priests of the king, can walk in daily, not just on a Sunday with a bunch of musos. So I'm going to touch on that, but what I really want to do is establish a, a foundation key that I think is vital in every heart of every believer, every son, every daughter. And uh, if you'll turn to John chapter 4 with me, this seems to me like a default scripture every time I, I want to share anything of the word and now I know why. John 4, 23, 24 says, But the hour is coming and is now here. Say now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Just stop there. Our Father is seeking such people to worship him this way. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we've heard that scripture over and over again. We've read it, and we love it. It's one of our favorites as a house. And uh, I just believe the Lord is just pressing on this right now as we learn about the tabernacle of David in these in times in these last days. And as an all-embracing church, when I mean that, I mean we, we embrace everybody. We don't turn people away, no matter what their pattern of life is, and whether they're saved or not saved. We're an all-embracing church. And uh, we'll say things like, just come as you are. How many of you have been in, in meetings where you've heard that? Just come as you are. Come to the altar. It's true. We must come as we are. But it's important that we come and, and, and belong, find our belonging in the love of the Father, but not stay that way. Okay, we don't say stay as you are. So, so being a, a born-again believer is not attending a Sunday meeting in a church, staying the way you are. But you love the vibe, you love the people are friendly, there's good coffee, the music's quite nice, you get goosebumps, but you really have not experienced any transformation on the inside, but you're happy to continue. And, and I just feel the Spirit of God just coming on that, but in love, not in a, with a rod, but with love to say, don't stay as you are. Don't stay as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. So let, let us be reminded that salvation is not someone just fellowshipping in a body, 
But salvation is repentance from sin. But it's also receiving the finished work of the cross. We're so good at, oh, quick to repent. Oh, I'm quick to repent. David was quick to repent. But he was also quick to receive the fullness, the the grace, the forgiveness, and the finished work of the cross, and then live in that. So that's being transformed in the most inward part of your spirit, soul, and body. But it's in the love of God. Boy, if, if we were to throw out some more rules, we'd all run away. You know, the defense mechanisms would go up. We, we don't want any more rules. This is a love letter. This is an invitation to love, not an invitation to rules or programs. Okay? It's, a, it's an invitation to a love relationship of a priestly rhythm of life. So, going back to John 4, it talks about spirit and in truth. So, what have we perceived this to be? Worshipping and spirit and truth. What is your perception of it? Is it Holy Spirit-led worship when I sing or pray in tongues? You know, when we say, come on, let's sing in the Spirit, and we all sing in tongues, and, and it's beautiful. But is, is that worshiping in spirit? What is in truth? Is it when I'm honest, when I'm genuine, and when I'm real before God? I'm coming as I am. I'm real before you, God. I'm coming in truth. I'm not hiding anything. Is that what it really means? I've heard it taught that way. I've believed it for many years. And I just, oh, Jesus is just so beautiful because he loves us so much and he's, he's always, there's always an ongoing revelation of Jesus. And as we are postured to, to have that in our lives, just an ongoing revelation of who he is, his love just comes wave after wave after wave and he says, this is who I am. This is what I mean. You know, it's just so beautiful. It's so freeing. But these things coming before him genuinely and honestly and with sincerity of your heart, they're not bad things. And he doesn't discard what you've brought him. But he's saying there's more. He's saying there's so much more. So what happens at salvation for the believer? Think about and go back to your salvation experience. Let's go to Ezekiel 36. I love this. So much. Okay, it says, this is Ezekiel. This is Old Testament, guys. And Ezekiel sees something and he speaks the words of the Lord. It says, and I will give you a new heart. This is, this is the Lord. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. We get a new heart. And our spirit is now renewed. We get a new spirit. Okay, so say, say after me, I have a new heart, and I have a new spirit. And then he says, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Just stop there. I, he says, I will put my spirit in you. So it's, it's beautiful that you have a new nature with a new spirit. That's beautiful. But now he says, but I'm putting my spirit in you as well. And then the next part is, and cause you to walk in my ways and cause you to obey me. He he does that because he wants to take up residence. He wants to dwell inside of you. We know the scriptures. He's not building, we're not looking for another uh, tabernacle of David made with hands. 
He has now made his home in our hearts. We can say that, but we need to believe it. We can say it till we blew in the face. If we teach the, the children's ministry, Jesus lives. They all know Jesus lives in here. But we need to believe it, and we need to know that it's not our human effort that sustains it. It's his spirit that sustains it. That, that, that spirit life inside of you, inside of you, inside of you, inside of me. It's a spirit life that is sustained by him and by the spirit. It's sustained by Jesus who is the enabler. Okay, I better not run ahead. But So what does he do first? He gives us a new spirit. Now I'm renewed and activated by the work of Holy Spirit. And this is being born again. Secondly, he puts his spirit in us so that he can live there. It's a double blessing right there. Who wants a double blessing in the house? It's there. It's right there. Double portion right there. New spirit and he's come to take up residence in my heart. So we receive this first by faith in Jesus, a new regenerated spirit. But then we stop there. We stop there because we go, cool, now I can, I can do things a new way. And he's saying, no, 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 we, we, there's more. But we must also receive by faith his spirit dwelling in us. And this is something better than a new nature, as I said. It's the indwelling living presence of God. And the more we have an awareness of and access this fullness of Jesus, the more sustained and consistent a life we will live. You see, so you know this, but you need to believe it and access it all the time. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes. It becomes that spiritual nature that overrides everything natural about you, that you begin to have the mind of Christ. You begin to speak with different language. It's, it's, it's godly. It's heavenly. He takes over in such a loving way. What we're trying to do is access a spirit realm somewhere. Because we, we understand there's a life in the spirit, but now we think it's over there and we try and access it over there. And he's saying, no, not with your own effort. That's why the Father sent Jesus. He's purchased everything. We have to remind ourselves of this every day. Because as we go about our natural things, we need to say, Jesus, you purchased this. I can access this. Um, things change when you allow him to, to reveal it and open it up for you. I want to just touch on this quickly, on the prophetic. And uh, there's something in me in this hour that rises up, and I know it's not human effort because it's not my nature to do so, but there's something in the spirit that rises up, and you'll know what I mean. It's to, to smash the weirdness of the prophetic. Because many of us in this room have had uh, maybe a prophetic word that was a bit awful, a bit weird, or we didn't understand what was going on. And then we've just put it there. Anyway, we've labeled the ministry of the prophetic a certain way. We have our own ideas about it. We, some of us embrace it. Some of us discard it. But it's an integral part of the body of Christ, especially in this hour. The apostolic and the prophetic are foundational to the bride moving forward to the bridegroom to that day when we'll meet him face to face. And I want to say this, and I say this in love. I believe that the prophetic ministry is 
only vulnerable when one's humanity and human effort is involved. You know, we get a little bit like, ooh, we get a bit insecure, we get a bit vulnerable. Ooh, do I release a word? Oh, no, because so-and-so looked at me. It's a very vulnerable thing, and then we make it weird. And then we act weird. I mean, how many of you? Yeah, I'm not even going to say. So prophetic people then feel stuck. They feel misunderstood. And then they don't fit. They don't fit in the body. And then they go and do their own thing quietly. It's just me and Jesus. Okay? But it's an integral part of the body. It's a foundational stone. But when the prophetic ministry or a prophetic life is immersed in love himself, prophetic people feel safe. We feel safe, we feel enabled, we feel supported, and we feel released. It's all in Jesus. It's in the love. So it's not weird. It's not weird. So I want to smash all of that and take us into the safety of the prophetic words that come from heaven, the prophetic nature of Jesus that we are to have. It looks different. It looks different. It's the way of love. And when you're deeply in love with him, love comes out, not weirdness. Because when you know how loved you are by him, you have a capacity in the spirit to love others the way he loves them. It's not weird. So within you and me is this hidden sanctuary where the Ark of the Covenant is with his law and his truths written on our hearts. We see David, David having not met Jesus or not being baptized in the Spirit, he saw this and he understood what was coming. Don't you just love David? <clears throat> you say, oh, David, a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he saw prophetically what was coming. He didn't tangibly see it or feel it or have that experience, but he saw it coming and then he accessed it and lived in it. <laughs> you look at the prophets. The way they prophesied it was all pointing towards something they saw that was coming. And they lived a different life to others. Because they knew, they knew Jesus was coming. So Psalm 51:10, we all know this. David says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Can you see what's happening there? Create in me a clean heart. What did he do? He gave us a new heart. Renew a right spirit within me. He puts a new spirit in you. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he's come, his spirit has come to live inside. And David's seeing that. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's the joy of your salvation. Not a goosebump, not a hand. Okay, I want to be a Jesus lover. <laughs> and then turn away and your life is the same. You're in patterns of sin. You're not transformed. You have no idea what has just happened. The gift of Jesus to put a new heart and a renewed spirit in you and then put his spirit in you is salvation. Who's born again here? Who wants to be born again if you're not? <laughs> so let's uh, look now at, at spirit and truth worship. In the context that Jesus was talking 
in John 4. It says there were many expressions. He talks to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and he says there are many expressions here of worship going on. And in the midst of all that he tells her, he says the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. What I love about this conversation is he's discerning what's going on regionally. (laughs) Oh, yeah, some worship there. Some are worshiping there. Some are doing their thing there. But I see you. And he tells her an instruction that God is searching for people who will worship him, and they must worship him in spirit and truth. That's like an instruction. But in that context, it was full of love, because what did she get from that? Not another rule. She got blown away by love, where she turned around and went back and said, I've got to tell everybody. I've been absolutely transformed and changed by this man's love. But in the love, he says, worship in spirit and in truth. So what is that about? I'm just going to cut out a few things here. There's a worship that is satisfying of the flesh because it is in the power of what the flesh can do. It's human nature and effort. And to a lot of people, they just go about it, they're not even thinking about it. It's, it's, it's satisfying to them. It's satisfying, but it's in human effort and gifting. But there is a worship in spirit. By the way, I have got scriptures for all of this. What I've just said there is Colossians 2, 18 and 23. But there's a worship in spirit, and this is the worship Jesus made possible. I just love this. It's not something we have to strive for. Jesus made it possible. And it's immersed in love, and he enables us to do this. I keep saying that because that's the revelation we've got to get today, that he enables us to experience this fully. The veil into the most holy place where God lived was torn, giving us access by faith in Jesus. Not now we've got to what? get through this big curtain. No, he made it open, and now we just by faith access that. That is worship in spirit. It's our spirit, and now with the spirit that he's put inside of us together in harmony, unity, Worshipping God in spirit. Worship in truth. In truth does not mean heartfelt, sincere, upright, you know, honest. Those are all good things. But truth here, it simply means this, and I love it, the very substance of Jesus. To worship in spirit and then to worship in truth is to worship inside the substance of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. And then we look at the Old Testament. We see there's Moses' tabernacle, there's David's tabernacle, and all the worship that went on there. I love it, I love it, I love it. And it was worship that was in truth. Why? Because God told them, this is the pattern. And then he changed it. And then, ah, David, this is the pattern. The heart was the same that the the method was different. But it was in truth, but it was a shadow and a type of what was to come and what Jesus was going to break open for us. And then Jesus, oh, Jesus. 
He is himself truth. He is our reality. He is the life and love and power of God. We just pause there, Jesus. Just come in and inhabit and dwell. Beautiful, Jesus. So only a worship in spirit can be a worship in truth. Only worship in spirit is worship in truth. Not all worshipers are true worshipers. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Now you're judging. I'm not. He said, I'm looking for true worshipers. So there must be worshipers that are not true. Okay? And here's a little challenge. And open your heart for this. Okay? You see, one's mind can be intensely focused and there can also be great emotion and feeling. You can have a mind intently focused on worshiping God. You could have all the emotions and all the good feels. You actually start feeling good about yourself. Oh, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling really, really good here. But there could be very little spiritual worship which stands in the truth of God. So we, we've become so familiar with the feels of, of worshiping. And when I'm, I'm talking about worship in the context with music and singing to enable that, okay, in the corporate sense. But we've become so familiar and so used to that. It's like a track, a railway track in our mind that this is the way we come into church. And while we do feel better, we do feel better, but has it been true spiritual worship? Standing in the truth of Jesus. And I said to Grant the other day, I said, yesterday, I said, it would be so good when we come together corporately, not to make this a ritual, but to sometimes just pause before we start singing. Because singing in music is not worship. But it helps us, doesn't it? It's beautiful. We love, we love the presence of music and singing with the anointing of God. We love it. And it is a vital part of the Tabernacle of David, which we will go into but if it's not done as, as true spiritual worship, it's going to just be another program in the church. If we, don't, if we don't grasp this, our prayer rooms are going to be another program in the church. And we're not going to have the sustenance to maintain and to keep growing and to keep going forward. We're not going to have that energy in the spirit, the momentum in the spirit, when it's a fleshly, just a, we like to do this. We feel good when we do it. It's not spiritual worship. And so our own thoughts, even of divine things, of the spirit realm, I, I, I'm that person. I love to think about the spirit realm. I, I, I want to live in that. I mean, we, we're all meant to live in that. But I desire it. And I'm constantly aware and asking, okay, what is it going to look like in my life? But we have to take our own thoughts and these um, expectations of spiritual things and divine things and we need to lay them low before him in worship it's it's a surrendering to um, everything to Jesus but then you might say but the word says we must enter boldly with thanksgiving come boldly into the throne of grace so when you read that you think yeah just come boldly 
you know, yeah, I'm coming boldly. <laughs> and, um, but the, so, yes, we are to come boldly, but it's to come boldly in spirit and truth, not just come boldly. <laughs> I can come boldly with the patterns of sin and, and all of that, but I just want to just come and tell you, Jesus is not even interested in the sin. He's covered the sin. Some of you may have patterns of sin, but you know what? Jesus has covered that. And he's saying, come boldly, but come in spirit. Come knowing this, knowing this connection, and knowing coming boldly, standing in the truth of Jesus, not the truth that I've now suddenly arrived and I'm not sinning anymore. Woo! That's still human effort. It's not spiritual worship. So... Isn't that exciting? I can come boldly, but I come boldly in spirit and in truth. As I said just now, remember that worship is not only when we sing and play music. Worship is giving worth to God. The word worship is worship. This is giving worth to God in everything we do. So because I'm a musician and a singer, this does not make me a worshiper. Let's smash that one. So as I said just now, music and singing was part of biblical worship throughout the Bible. So as a person, I give attention to that. Our 24-7 worship and our prayer rooms are going to just fly. Our global prayer rooms, it's, just, it's so amazing what's about to happen. And even on Sundays, must be in spirit and in truth. Why? So that he can dwell in it. What's the point <laughs> if he's not there? What's the point if he's not living in it? His presence must be felt in the room. Demons cannot stay in the room when he is here. People get free and sons and daughters come alive when his glory is in the room. But his glory will only be made manifest in worship that is in spirit and in truth. It's too human, our worship. But he loves us and he'll receive us, but he's saying there's more. Come and be spiritual in your worship. So, <clears throat> so to be a true worshiper, we, we're quick to repent. We come boldly, we're quick to repent and then to receive the grace and the finished work of the cross. The priestly rhythm of life can only be sustained by him in spirit and in the truth of Jesus. And if you, if you catch one thing today, and I love this. I heard it a couple of weeks back on a, on a stream I was listening to. And this dear man said this. He says, Jesus is deeply committed to your obedience and your worship to him. He is deeply committed to you. He's deeply committed to you. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. He is deeply committed to seeing your worship being expressed to him. He's deeply committed to enable you to be obedient to him. I mean, that just freaks me out. He's deeply committed to you. If that's one thing you go away with today, Jesus is deeply committed to me, to see me living and walking in the Spirit. <clears throat> I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes, most times in the car, I go to put some music on, and then I hear my spirit, my renewed spirit say, just give him worth. <laughs> just, just give him worship, you know. And it's like, yeah, no, don't put that on. My favorite 
tunes that I go to. Just give him worth. And then I just, as I'm driving, I just start speaking out. I give you worth. You're beautiful. I love you. You're just so amazing. Thank you. And I give him thanks for things that I haven't even got yet or seen. Um, that, that's that priestly rhythm. Okay? It's even when you're in your car, when you're in the shops. It's that priestly rhythm. And when you become more aware of this, your senses are tuned very sensitively to what he's saying at that moment. And then he enables you and is committed to you to obey what he's telling you. I mean, because, you know, he's, not, he's so beautiful. He doesn't say, I'm going to put my spirit over there in that place. And so your renewed spirit must just go find me where I am there. He says, no, I'm coming and I'm putting it there, so close to your own heart. It's like so closely connected to you. That's where he wants to be. And you know what? He is there. And today you have the foundational key to access that. And when you become more aware of his spirit in you, you'll find words of life come out of your mouth when you were thinking the opposite about someone. You see that person coming and going, oh, Lord. Changes, changes, because he's coming out, he's coming out. And when you hear gossip, you can't tolerate it. You don't want to be around it. It's just beautiful. It's, just the things, it's not something we're working hard to be like. I need these fruits in my life, you know. No, he's just, he's causing it to come out. He's causing it. He's the one. It's his fault. <laughs> then you'll find Holy Spirit setting you up for divine moments and divine meetings at work. And you'll go, oh, this is not me. I didn't even think about this. And look, oh, something's opened up. This kind of priestly life becomes a river that flows and rises in you where fountains of words and adoration and sound just wells up and comes out. It, it gets so intense sometimes that you can't even speak English or your home language. That's, that's what speaking, the gift of tongues is. It's just a, you can't, you can't explain it anymore. So it comes out differently. It comes out heavenly. That's what it is. It's the rivers that come out of you. In Hebrews 12, 28, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so let us offer to God acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. Does that mean there's worship that's not acceptable? I mean, he loves us. He loves us. We're in, under the canopy of his love, okay? But he's bringing us into truth gently and beautifully into the truth of himself. And he says, this is acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So what would it look like for a church to come when we come corporately on a Sunday, when we get together in the prayer room? What would it look like if every single one of you was prepared in your spirit? It was already flowing like a river. Stuff's bubbling out your mouth. You can't even contain yourself. What does that look like? That's a spirit life. It's a spirit-lived life. Can you imagine if you come, you've already got prophetic utterances under your tongue. You want to bless and you want to encourage. You want to come before God and worship and you just, you're holding nothing back. You're just in spirit and in truth. You just, you've prepared your heart that Jesus is everything. He's done it all for me. He's not even looking at my sin today. <laughs> you just come boldly. What if we all did that? What do you think will happen? The glory of God 
will be released. And you know, it doesn't just come and descend in a room. It comes from within you and I. The glory of God released in meetings. The glory of God released from Monday to Friday. Man, I know you guys know this, but it, it is a now impression of the Holy Spirit on us as a body to take this up seriously, but in Jesus. And, um, oh my gosh, yes, to have the mind of Christ, to know that my body is his temple, to know that he's, he doesn't get up and leave, ever. <laughs> he doesn't get, oh, anyway, it's too good. And that I have a renewed spirit, and his spirit lives inside of me. Let's just stand. Let's just stand. I wonder if, Damien, can you say hi? Jesus, I just thank you for just the impartation of your presence in this place, your presence that is on the inside of us. We've got five minutes. And there's no time in God, so five minutes can be <laughs> as long as, it wa- as he wants it to be. Let's just open our hearts, open our minds. And I just want you to recognize what's inside of you. Just for a minute, just pause onto that. Don't talk to anybody. Don't think about lunch. Just think about your renewed spirit and a new heart inside of you and his very spirit. The spirit of God himself is inside of you, communing with your spirit. And it's like, I just know, he wants to explode. He wants to explode. He wants to show you the rest of your life on earth, what it could look like. Just connect with his dream. Connect with his voice inside of you. Connect with his eyes to see what's ahead. You know, the Bible says that God will be with us to the very end of the age. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. No matter what is happening, wars, famines, viruses, financial economy crisis, whatever happens, he's not going anywhere. He promised us that. And he's not going anywhere because he's inside of you. (laughs) He's inside of you. So just reach out to him and connect with him and just say, Jesus, make this real to me today. Oh, strengthen me on my inner man, Lord. Strengthen me. Strengthen us on the inside, God. <laughs>